Okay, Parshas Vayetze. Let's pick up where we last left our fearless hero. Okay, because we're in the middle of a very dramatic storyline. <clears throat> We've got Yaakov, who in our last week's Parsha just nabbed the blessings from under Esau's nose, which caused a, a tremendous anger in uh, Esau, as you can imagine. And he decides the, he's nothing left for him to do but to kill his brother. And thus, sibling rivalry, but I can't really say it began there because it really began with the first two siblings, right? But the fact that Esau has this animosity, this deep-seated animosity towards us, begins then and continues forever. And that's where our Parsha picks up, which is that Yaakov's mother says, i got to tell you something, your brother's going to kill you, you've got to get out of here. Where should you go? Go to my brother. If you remember that Rivka and Lavan, our brothers, Rivka was a wonderful person from a not-such-wonderful family. <clears throat> so she has a brother, Lavan. That's, if you remember back, Eliezer went to go find Rivka. A lot of that conversation that takes place in that parsha was with her brother. The reason why her father disappears from the picture, everyone remembers, is because her father tried to kill Eliezer to make that match not happen. And Hashem saved and killed her father, and therefore the rest of the conversation is just between Lavan and Eliezer. Anyways, as you can tell, what type of family they were. <coughs> All right. Well, they didn't name Shiva or something for him. Oh, well, they just continued the conversation. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> business is business. That's right. So Yaakov is sent to go find safety. At Lavan's, in Lavan's home. Let, let, let's read a little bit what occurs because this is a very famous event, very well known, oft referenced, and they even made a toy made out of it. So it's important to know this, okay? Yaakov leaves Beersheba and sets out for Haran. By the way, I just want to point out, he did not, they calculate the years, he did not leave right away. He took a little stop, little as in 14 years, and spent 14 years in the yeshiva, shame the aver, shame and aver. So, who's shame? Noach's son. Who's aver? Aver is shame's great grandson. <coughs> okay. Back then, when you lived a long time, you needed a, a, a business partner in the family. You just, if if your son's not good at it, your grandson, you just wait around. Eventually, someone will come up. And so his great grandson ends up being his partner in this in this yeshiva, and they have the, where they would study. And we're not going to go into the conversation, which comes up every time we bring this up, which is what were they studying? The answer is they were studying the Torah, the Torah in its physical form, which is accessible to all of us, was given at Sinai, but it actually was created even before Hashem created the world. So the Torah in a spiritual form existed, and if you were lofty, if you were great. And elevated enough, you could access Torah in a spiritual way. And that's what these people were. They were great and they were lofty. And they were able to study the Torah before it was given in a physical form the way we have it. The gift of Sinai was that people like us could just go to the shelf and pull off a chumash and be reading the Word of God, even though we're just simple people. The words of my grandfather before Sinai... You had to be great, and then you can access the Torah. After Sinai, you can use the Torah to become great. It's a big change. 
That's the gift of what happened on Sinai. But they were learning and he spent 14 years there. In fact, it says he came to this certain place and he stopped there for the night to sleep. And they point out this is the first time he slept in a bed or went to sleep officially. It wasn't a bed. In 14 years. Those 14 years studying, he only fell asleep while studying. He did not lay down to sleep. Now, he is in this certain spot. Where is this spot, by the way? Temple Mount. That's where he is. <clears throat> and he doesn't realize that that's the place, the location he's at. And all of a sudden, God makes the sun set. And he lays down to go to sleep. And he has what we refer to as a dream. It's really a vision, a form of prophecy. What does he see? The famous Jacob's ladder. He sees a ladder. <clears throat> the ladder is reaching towards the earth and the top of the ladder goes all the way towards heaven and Hashem is standing there and he sees angels going up and down on this ladder and Hashem says to him the land you're on is going to go to your offspring and don't worry and now here's an important line that we're going to get back to so I just want to focus on it remember I am with you I will protect you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you okay Something unbelievable going on. Some vision. And there's a lot of meaning to this. But we're going to take here the Nesiv Shalom's approach. And the question is, what was Hashem trying to tell Yaakov? <clears throat> what was Hashem trying to tell Yaakov in this vision? You see a ladder, it's going up, there's angels going up and down it, and then it's sort of almost like the point of the message was, by the way, I'm here and I'll protect you and I'll give you the land. Okay, so what's the ladder for? It's a dramatic effect. What does it tell you? What's the, what's the message? And as well, why is that message, whatever it is that Hashem is trying to communicate, why is that relevant right now? Why, why right now in the middle of Yaakov? Well, Yaakov's been around for a very long time. Hashem did not come and show him this vision. All of a sudden, he's... Here on the road, he's fleeing from his brother. He's on his way to Laban's house and he goes to sleep and Hashem makes it that he goes to sleep. He sets up the whole scenario perfect and then he shows them this vision. So what's the message and what is the time-appropriate message within it that makes sense that it should come up in Yaakov's life right now where he is on the run and where he's about to go? That's the question. So to begin to understand, let's begin, I think it's the Jewish policy that you answer a question with a question, so we will do that. <clears throat> the first thing is, I'm sorry, my, uh, I spend all day basically hollering at people, and apparently it takes a toll on your vocal cords. The beginning, says the Nasib Shalom, is, a very cryptic medrash. I'm going to read it to you. It's just two lines here. I want to see. This is a very puzzling statement indeed. Says the medrash. Do you notice it says there? It means he like encountered the place. It almost sounds like it like smacked into him. Encounter. It's like you bumped into. That's like vayivka. You've got to be, you, 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 you met. Boom, he met the place. What do you mean he met the place? Isn't he traveling along? Of course, he's, that's a part on his journey. So says the Medrash, you ready? You know what it means? He encountered it, like it just bumped into him, smacked him in the face. Bikesh Lavor. He was trying to actually go past that spot. 
but the entire world, I'll read you the words, made itself like a wall in front of him. Okay? Say the words again. He wanted to really pass, go, but the whole world made itself into a wall in front of him and he could not go. What on earth is that metro saying? Okay. Says the Nasiv Shalom before we get to the message. He says, if you understand what that Medrash means, then you're going to understand what the vision he had was. And he says, you know what that is? Let's understand where Yaakov was coming from and where he was going to. Who is Yaakov? Ishtam Yoshev Alim. You know what that means? <clears throat> He's wholesome. And he sits in the base Medrash learning. That's what the Chazal say. Yoshev Olim. He sat there his whole life until that point. He's sitting there learning. He's just in his tent. Esav's the man of the field. Esav's out there doing all his things. And Yaakov is singularly focused, totally dedicated in a pristine environment and just learning away a storm. Then he's got to leave. Well, guess what he does? He has 14 more years. Right? If that wasn't enough, 14 more years. Right? Makes uh, my colo tenures and seem uh, light, right? And he's out there oh, another fourteen years. He won't even sleep. It's this. It's this world of such open holiness, such a, an elevated way of living. But now he is about to undergo a tremendous transition. That's what's really happening, <clears throat> because he's no longer in that tent. He's not in the yeshiva anymore. Now he's running. And where is he going? Now it's, 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 it's over. That time period is done for now. Yeah. Now he's going to go. He's going to go over there and he's out in the world. And not just out in the world, he's going to go work for 11, 14 years. He's going to be a shepherd. It's time to, and now he's going to get married. He's going to start having kids. He's, he's out in regular good old life. That's the life that we're more familiar with. Add to that, not just good old life, the life with love on. He's going to out into the world, which also means face to face with all the people and all the crookedness and all the immorality and all the wrong that's out there. This ain't your little tent anymore. He's not going to be in Kansas anymore. For, you know, for us Southerners, put in our terminology. Right? So he says that obviously we don't understand Yaakov. These people were so great. We, 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 we can't even think that we can understand a moment of their life. But, but the message, says the Nesiv Shalom, that is being expressed in the story of Yaakov <coughs> is a sense of confusion, which is as follows. He wants to go out there. He, wants to, he needs to transition to the next period of his life, but he's experienced that the whole world is standing in front of him like a wall, meaning he's experiencing what he feels is a barrier. I've been living in a pristine environment of holiness. I understand that. That's how you connect with Hashem. That's how you, you live and be exalted and be a great Jew. Now I gotta go out there. I'm gonna be out in the workforce. I'm gonna be dealing with all sorts of just mundane activities. And even worse, I'm gonna be dealing with people that are no good. I see a brick wall in front of me. How, how do I continue the life that I began? The goals that I have? What I aspire to be? How do I continue that moving forward? So the whole world, meaning all of physicality, 
all of that experience that he anticipated that he's about to get into stood in front of him like a like a wall. He was struggling. Where do we go from here? What, what do we do to continue on from this point? Hear the problem? It's a hundred percent. And the real truth is, <clears throat> Yaakov's life is somewhat of a paradigm for for what everyone can. Sometimes we can create that space, but very seldom, if if not never, maybe, is that space that we're able to create that hollowed space really able to be something that's sustained long term. So that really means that. It could be that, and if a person's fortunate enough to, to create a time and a moment, sometimes it's in their life or in their day, you sometimes get five minutes in the morning, right? There is a, 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 a method to this creating the sacred hollowed space where you, you fortify yourself, but there will then always be that transition. And at that transition is, I think, a lot of times where we face, and I think many of those young um, men and women that come back face this, now I think we ourselves face it. Maybe we're so far gone on one side or the other that we don't, we don't, we, we forgot to be facing it. You know, who knows where we are? But the fact is, this is something everyone does sort of struggle with or wonder, which is, what do we do with all of that that seems mundane? How do I live my life, which seems so unsacred, <clears throat> and still be Yaakov? Still be that great person that I'm trying to be and live a life that I'm trying to be. Is there a way? It, it almost seems to be uh, set up for failure. You know, leave me in a certain environment. I remember a cousin of mine was once asked uh, if he would go uh, get involved in a certain, I don't remember what it was, a business or something. And he said, I don't know, I can't say yes. Why? He said, because here I am sitting in the base Medrash all day learning. And even so, I barely think about God. If I go out there, I'll never think about God. <laughs> they said, right? So he was really struggling with the fact that it, what, how do you maintain a connection? And, and, and you don't have a choice. There is a transition that has to happen in a person's life. And no matter what, it always does happen to one extent or another. So how? And it happens every single day. If you're a, a man who's going to shul in the morning, then you're, you're there for davening. It'd be nice if our davening would feel like a sacred moment. But even if it does, then after davening, you move on. And there's always these, these little moments that maybe capture something. You have your Shabbos, maybe a moment, which is a sacred space. But then you have Sunday. So what do you do with Sunday? So we're, we're constantly going through the same experience that Yaakov is going through. And that is what the Torah is trying to communicate to us, is the struggle that he's facing as he tries to move forward onto Lovin's house. How do we move forward? <clears throat> now I'm going to tell you, full disclosure here, I'm going to read right now a piece of the Nesiv Shalom. The piece in the Nesiv Shalom, I believe, was ambiguous. And has multiple ways to interpret it. I am sharing with you my reading of it. I believe somebody could propose a different one. But as you'll see from the other things on the paper, what we are going to say is 100% true. And it is indeed a very, very powerful, profound and almost subtle thought. <clears throat> Says the Nesiv Shalom, 
When you understand what Yaakov's struggle was, when you understand this struggle that we have as Jews, as we look out at the world, as we get involved in all of that mundane, regular activity, we now understand what Hashem was saying back. So what was Hashem saying with the latter? Listen to these words. And this is... That there was a ladder that was reaching towards earth and its top reached all the way to heaven. What does that mean? What was Hashem saying? Like I know from my own rabbis, he says, That, do you know what that ladder is to say? And I actually looked this up in the same book that he's quoting, and indeed it's there. He's telling the truth. That you know what that ladder represents? That ladder represents a person establishing his service to God, his dedication to Hashem, and to striving towards Hashem within all of that that he lives through in this world. Uh, let's just flesh it out. He's going to continue, okay? Here's the words. You ready? Sheyehudi Yemotzei Do you know what that ladder represents? That ladder represents here on earth, we got to reach heaven. There's Hashem. How do we connect the two? Here's the ladder that goes up. Here's the ladder that connects a person to heaven, to Hashem. This is what he was saying was, set up this ladder. This ladder is the connection between a human being and Hashem and trying to make that service, that bond, that dedication, that idea of this relationship and the growth to reach Hashem, that establish that in this world, in your life. But here's the, the real line that I want to harp on. She Yehudi Yimotzei, that what he was telling a Jew is, yes, you've got to set up the ladder. Yes, you've got to have the sense of goal and hope and aspiration that here's my ladder, I'm setting it up on earth, and where I'm going is I'm going up to heaven. That's the goal. I'm going and I'm going to embrace Hashem, and me and Hashem are going to form something here, which is meaningful and great. But... Not just I'm setting up a ladder. And if I like I like to do a lot of things. I redecorate my house and then and and I set up a ladder. That's not wasn't the vision. The vision was only a ladder, which he says means as follows that the Jew sets a framework for his life. That the Jewish person and individual sets a framework for their life, that they are always to be found within this ladder, within this goal and aspiration of what their life is all about. Shiyala, listen to the words. Shiyala darga basar darga ad that, that on one hand, you set up your ladder is your whole purpose of life, so you're always climbing one rung after the other to go up. But guess what else he saw? Yes, he saw angels going up, but what else did he see? <clears throat> he saw angels coming down. Now, what does that mean? One second. If the latter is all about having this focus on getting up to heaven, and this focus on the purpose and this mission, of it's all aimed upward, it's all aimed towards this one goal. So going up, I get. Then I'm going to live out my whole life climbing one rung after the other, and I'll get up to heaven. But he saw angels coming down. And this is, I think, really the subtle secret that he's going to give us here. No, but even in the going down, 
A person needs to make sure that they remain within that framework of that divine service, of that holy journey on their ladder. Maybe I'm going up, maybe I'm having a setback and I'm going down, but never do I get off the ladder. Hear that? Never do I lose my sense of of direction, of what I'm living for and towards. So there's up and there's down. But He makes sure a person, and this is the secret, is to make sure we don't fall off and out of that framework so that we're just floating off yonder. So the world, yes, it, it's, it's pulling. The world is pulling. The world is pulling. And you may go have a moment where you're climbing and you feel like you're really surging ahead and you have a, may have a moment that you feel like you're being pulled back. But never derailed from your mission and your goal and your aspirations. You're always making sure you're on the ladder. Maybe I take a step up. Maybe I take a step down. But the ladder is my life. This is like subtle, I think, right? But you're failing anyways. There's such a huge difference. I really think this is, this is like a tremendous secret he's telling us right here. There's a difference between failing and being like, shoo, oh, and there's like, I'm failing on the ladder. Yeah, I'm on the bottom of my ladder. I still have my ladder. I'm still holding on. And what does that mean? It really means is that that focus, that idea of knowing what what the framework of your life truly is. The framework of my life is this ladder. The framework of my life is me trying to be this great individual and connecting with Hashem. That's the framework. That's the goggles. That's the glasses by which I see all of life. Okay? That, that is the rubric. This is a, a, it's, it's a broad vision which allows a person to look at everything through a certain lens, which is how, what, what part of this is, is this in my, in my ladder, in my journey? Where does this fit in my journey up Maybe even down, but somewhere on my ladder. Where is this as part of why I'm really here? What I live for and towards. You hear this? I really think this is a big thing. Okay. <clears throat> that Yaakov, or us, as we look at the world and we say, there's so many things and, and they could pull us in so many different directions and how do I maintain? You're looking out at the world that I'm going to go embark in and I have to go do all these things and none of them, none of them seem to be producing the holiness that I had when I was studying a piece of Torah. And the answer is yes. When you're studying the piece of Torah, it's blatant. But guess what? Out there in that world, you could manage to live a life of holiness, but it comes with one, there's one secret, is that that holiness has to be seen by you, has to be tapped by you. It's not like the Torah which is blatant and jumping out into you. That, you have to figure out how to fashion it and experience it in a way. And you know what that comes down to? It comes down to what is your frame of mind. That's what it really comes down to. What is your frame of mind? How do you look at things? How do you live mundane life? It's called mundane. That just means it's not on the surface. But if, you, if we can manage to capture a, a perspective of that ladder up that we don't ever let ourselves get off of, and therefore it's always about, okay, where's the holiness? Okay, where's the meaning here? 
Where does this play out? That's, that's how we go. We go to work and we say, how does this play out? We're going to Kroger's. How does this play out on my ladder? What does this have to do with my ladder? Because I, I live only for this ladder. I live only for this goal. I li- this is what life is. This is the framework of my life. So how does this fit in my life? Not how do I fit into Kroger's? How does Kroger's fit into my life? It's the other way around. I drag Kroger's onto my ladder. I don't go follow Kroger off the ladder. And that simple difference is not simple at all. But it's simple in the sense that it's not complex. It's a shift in perspective, which I'm not saying how you're going to pull Kroger's into, onto your ladder. But I'm saying that that is the secret to getting Kroger's onto your ladder and to getting being stuck in traffic onto your ladder and going to work onto your ladder. And all the things we do, it all starts with having a unbudgeable vision on the world. And that vision is, I don't get off this ladder. This ladder is life. Life is about being on this ladder. Where am I on the ladder? Sometimes something's pulling you away. Oh, so you know what happens? You ever see, I happen to have had a friend like this. There are people who drift. And some people drift very, very far away. Okay? That's a very different experience than somebody who's noting, oh, I'm getting knocked down. I just got down, knocked down two, two rungs, right? Oh, now I'm really, I'm, I'm a rock bottom on my connection with Hashem, my service. That's a whole different game. Rock bottom in your connection with Hashem, so you're connected with Hashem. As you're in the game, you're happening. Now you can climb back up. Now you're still there. Now you could still transform your surroundings and your experience. And a lot of times, even your experience of being knocked down ends up being something which ends up catapulting you back up the ladder because you didn't let go of the ladder. That's, that's what it came down to. Because your frame of mind and the way you structured your life never fell apart as opposed to somebody who drifts away. They don't even know. They don't even know. That ladder is very much, much harder. So the secret is a secret here, a profound secret which is that there is always a ladder. This is our holy journey. That's what I'm labeling it. Our holy journey is the ladder and the vision of the ladder. I want to tell you something. I didn't make this up. You see the Shalom credit or no credit, whether I'm to blame or not, I'm not really to blame. And I'm going to tell you, read this, okay? Read this with me. The Mesilus Shisharim from the Moshe Chaim Mutato, unbelievable book. His opening words from his first chapter. His opening words. It's a book. It's a handbook for how to become a great Jew. That's what it is. It, it is actually a handbook. That a person should live and die with. Okay? And the opening words. You ready for this? Yesoyinachad is the foundation of piety. And the root of perfect service of God. Okay, that's quite an introduction, right? I'm going to give you the foundation to piety. And the root, the bedrock of becoming perfect in your service of God. What is it? Is for man to clarify and come to realize as truth. What is his obligation in this world and to what he needs to direct his gaze and his aspiration in all that he toils all the days of his life? You know what the secret is? Keeping your eyes set on what you're trying to get to. That's the secret. That's the life-altering secret? Yes! Because if you gain that vision, if you gain that sense of, of, of that, that far-sighted goal, the sense of mission to your existence, then everything gets pulled into that. I'm just going to read you one more line on the, on the second side of the page here. It's also the same author in a different book. And he writes here, The root of service to God, behold, the root of all matters of service, is that man should always turn to his Creator. 
And he should realize that he was created only to cling and to bond with his creator. And therefore the whole mission in this world is to get rid of the evil inclination and to rise up and reconnect with Hashem. So he should conduct all of his actions to reach his purpose and not veer away from it. So what does it come from? What does it come from? Of course nobody's perfect. The Derek Hashem is not, is, not, is not a fool. He doesn't mean, and then you'll do everything perfectly. That's it, you did it. How do you, how do you like that? It was that simple. No, he's saying is the whole secret to getting there, the secret to slowly growing and becoming that great starts with a clarity and a sense of establishment for oneself. How do I look at the world around me? Is there a physical world? And then there's show time. And then there's Tuesday afternoon, you know, entertaining sheer. Is that, is, is, is that, are, do we have two different lives going on? If we have two different lives, so then there's a tug of war. And then there's not, I don't know where we'll end up. But the secret to it all is to have one life. One life. One life is my ladder up to Hashem. And everything is somehow part of that. My ups and downs are all within that framework. Where am I on my ladder? It goes further because so far what we've said is a perspective that will help us to not get derailed and be yanked and flung out to sea by everything we're busy with. Yaakov's going to go. He's going to work as a shepherd. It's a question of where am I on my ladder? So you keep yourself focused. You keep yourself in the game and you keep yourself growing and you never let yourself get knocked off course. I view it as sort of like the GPS, you know, move. You know, your GPS. <clears throat> you take the wrong turn. So you have two options. One is the one that you would never do. Well, I made the wrong turn. Turn it off. <laughs> right? Nobody's going to do that. You don't turn it off. What you do is, it says, oh, redirecting. Oh, fine. So it'll take another right, take another left. But the point is, you make sure that the destination is the right destination and that you keep your eye on the GPS. How do we keep going on this journey? That's the idea of staying on, on, on this. You don't, you don't let yourself get knocked off course to end up drifting abroad. However, it really goes far deeper. Because once, this is the real transformation that happens. Once we start to operate with a perspective of, this is the framework of life. This is what life's all about. I'm not losing my focus. Then we really hit a second realization. So firstly, the popcorn's not going to derail me. I won't get sucked into that bowl of popcorn. I'm not. Okay, thankfully it's not a struggle. I don't think most of us get swept away by a bowl of popcorn, right? But I'm not, I'm not getting lost there. But now here, here comes the next step. For one second. Life really is all about that ladder. It really is, isn't it? So what on earth is that popcorn doing there? Ah, now we find out that popcorn might be your ladder. Hmm. Read with me. Before you write me off as crazy, <laughs> I will prove my point. We're on the second side, right in the middle. Says the Mesilah Shisharim. 
If you look deeper into the matter, you will see that this world was created for man's use. That actually the very existence of everything we look around and we say, where is the holiness? What is this thing doing here? No, I won't be pulled off course. I am for God and I will never let go of my ladder. And that is the secret. You can never let go of your ladder up or down. Nothing. Nothing. Don't let go of the ladder. Don't let go of the goal. Don't let go of the vision. Don't let go of your aspirations. In one of the Nesiv Shalom's other pieces, he points out the head is reaching heavenward. That's the idea. That the ladder also represents a person themselves. You're standing on the ground just like that ladder. But where is the head? The head is always up in heaven. And that's the way we need to walk on earth. That we walk and we do and we're everything, but we don't ever let our heads go away from heaven. We always have our goals and our aspirations and what we're hoping to get out of this life and this world is always towards the same direction. Good. But now comes the second part. Listen to what he says in the Derech Hashem. It's such a stunning paragraph here. He has just written a little paragraph. I didn't put it on the paper because I'm obviously, as you see, a challenge for space. But his paragraph was saying, physicality is so dark. It's so mundane. It seems to be so so antithetical to spiritual pursuits sometimes. Sometimes it, it seems like it derails a person and then he goes on as follows. God's design, however, is very deep. And he arranged things so that even though man must be immersed in the physical, he is able to rise to perfection through his worldly activities and the physical world itself. Not despite, but through those very actions. Listen to this. It is precisely through these that he attains a pure and lofty state. It is therefore his very lowliness that elevates him. For when he transforms darkness into light and deathly shadow into sparkling brilliance, he personally earns for himself unparalleled excellence and glory. I want to read that one more time just because I like it so much. Okay, I want to read that last sentence. It is therefore his very lowliness that elevates him. For when he transforms darkness into light and deathly shadow into sparkling brilliance, he personally earns for himself unparalleled excellence and glory. That the sense of we have a ladder to climb and then we look at the world around us and we say, oh, it's the enemy. Well, enemy is not the right word. Perhaps a challenge... Perhaps a challenge is there, but know that everything you're looking at is actually there for you to transform into light and sparkling brilliance and it is by that very activity itself when done right, when done with that vision of the ladder, when done when you say, I'm not getting dragged into work. How do I drag work to Hashem? How do I drag that thing onto this ladder with me? I'll carry the whole kit and caboodle. It's all coming up with me. And you figure out how to keep everything within your frame of reference, within what you want the picture to look like. Then what actually happens is you start to realize that all those things that are in our life, those are actually the ticket to the next step up the ladder. They're not there by accident. But the way we interact with those things, the way we eat, and the way it's like I, I was telling some people, we need to know how to watch football like a Jew. Nah, I kid you not. There's a way to watch football like a Jew. 
You figure out, and we'll read the next paragraph in a second. But we figure out, we don't ask ourselves, we don't let ourselves, we can watch football, it's not about them watching football, not watching football. But do we end up in the game, or do we say, how do we bring this game to us? And that's the difference. And it all comes from <clears throat> that sense and that establishing within ourselves that vision, that, that, that purpose, like he said, to have clear, to have clear and to realize as truth what is our purpose in this world and what are we directing our gaze and our aspirations. Then everything starts to get enveloped by that atmosphere. And listen to the next paragraph. He gives us a little direction here. You know how you do this? You know how you develop the King Midas' touch to be able to go out there and be a shepherd for 14 years and then end the 14 years and Lovin comes to Yaakov and says, what are you doing? Leaving, right? And Yaakov turns to him and says that for 14 years I didn't even let myself sleep so that you shouldn't lose a dime because of me. Here he is talking to the guy who cheated him for 14 years straight and he says, but you should know that I never deviated from doing what was right while being a shepherd. With that one statement, Yaakov told us a world of how he lived out there as a shepherd with Lavan and yet walked away as the great Yaakov who could go battle an angel and win. Because you think I'm, I'm just watching sheep? I'm watching sheep like a Jew. I'm watching sheep with a vision on how to become great. So you're cheating me and I'm doing this work, but I'm doing it with such integrity. Because the question is not work. I brought the work into my life. How does that work, how does that work play out in a meaningful way on my ladder? The answer is don't deviate from integrity. Just because he cheated you doesn't mean you cheat back. Ah. Now that's, that's how you do business. And the money comes home. To do what with? That's how you do business. And you're busy, busy changing diapers, but for what and for why? And you're watching the game. Great. But why? For what and why? Because it makes me feel good. That's great. That's actually a good answer. Feeling good is actually really important. But put that on your ladder. Put that as part of your vision for your life upward. That it's very productive for me to be happy. Yes. (laughs) Complaints. We can now complain. It's so mundane to watch a football game or basketball or anything like that. How do you make meaning out of that? You know, I mean, when there's so many other important things to do and feel in the world. I, I'll be honest. I, I don't really have a challenge with that because I, I know, to be honest, not because I don't watch football games, but I don't. But, but I, I, I'm sure I would do something else to, 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 to relax. But the fact is that a person needs to relax. Otherwise, they can't do the meaningful things in life either. So a sense of relaxing, a sense of finding something that's satisfying and enjoyable in life is, is a part of being a healthy human being. And being a healthy human being is also how you be a healthy, productive, meaningful human being. Those are one and the same. So, a person who gets something meaningful or, or finds a deep satisfaction out of watching a football game, then there's, there's meaning there. Now, most of us, if we would go watch a football game, that's not the perspective on it. And of course, we're not going to read this and... All of a sudden, everything is. But the question is, we're trying to develop. And what we're developing, what he's giving us is a very, very simple method for what we're trying to develop. It's not lofty. It's not in the details. Here we're getting something that we're looking to develop, which is a very broad, beginning to develop a perspective that, keeping in mind, what's my life about? And you just keep that 
churning and keep it at the forefront of your mind. I have one life. I don't have two lives. I have one life. How does this fit in? And you try and remember to ask that question often and more often and it grows. And what starts to happen is you start to pull more and more things into this one singular mission and journey that you have in life, which is up and upon this ladder. So, it doesn't mean that in one moment, all of a sudden, every time you're watching a game, you're like, ah, it's just, yay, Hashem, every time they win, right? You know? But but the point is, yeah, you know what? You could sit down at the game and you start to have a perspective. You say, well, why am I doing this? You ask yourself that question. There's so many productive things to do. And you say, you know what? But I enjoy this. This this has meaning. I I see the benefit to myself. That That's bringing it to you as opposed to you ending up in it. There's a difference, right? But I'm not getting involved in your discussions with your husband about whether he should or shouldn't <laughs> be watching the football game. That'll be for a different discussion. <laughs> you asked the first question before when you said, we understand why the angels going up like why the angels coming down. So the first thing I thought of was that in, order, in addition to you bringing, bringing your literal life up you know, towards the holiness, you have to take the, the holiness and of, of Shemayim and bring it down into your life. And that's one that requires coming back down the ladder to bring it down. So that, that is true. And that is an, a, another perspective they give on this, which is truly layered as another perspective within what we're saying, which is it happens to be that it's no accident that Hashem created us as physical in the world. Because Hashem actually has a very lofty mission for us, which no angel has. And we, we've discussed this, which is he, he actually specifically wants us to be connecting heaven and earth here. He's not, he's not asking us to live in heaven. He's asking us to live here and to make this bridge and bring all of that holiness into our life and bring our life into the realm of holiness. That is actually a very lofty mission that we're on. What we're realizing from the Siva Shalom is, I guess you'd say, a way of getting there, which is what he's interpreting the ladder to also giving that direction that when you look out at it and you see that challenge to it, he's saying that challenge has a lot to do with perspective. And that keeping a certain perspective starts to transform the way you see things. And I really have felt this about my grandfather. You know, they used to talk that the way he would do, like make a cup of coffee sometimes. He would look like, uh, I remember one of his students, Rabbi Goldberger in Baltimore, said once that when he would be doing things, sometimes you'd get the sense about him that his, his mind was like elsewhere. He was focused somewhere else. <clears throat> but, but he's making a cup of coffee or something. And he was a very down-to-earth person, a very real person. But he had a certain... And I, I thought to myself once afterwards, well, I don't, he didn't invent the fact that there's meaning in all of this physicality. So why does he have it and not me? Why is he making a cup of coffee and he's having some experience and I'm just having coffee? Which I do view as somewhat of a spiritual experience myself, but, right? but, but right, why? And, and I think the answer is exactly this. Well, it depends on your perspective. It depends on how much you've made this perspective the way you live life. Is it something you visit every now and then? Is it something we just pay homage to? And of course, and of course, life's about Hashem, right? <laughs> or is it, is it actually, have we developed, changed the way we see? So that we see things that way. And the more we bring it into our lives and the more we try and make it the true lens on life, then the more we find that we're bringing and seeing 
that nature that's within everything, how it actually does connect back to holiness. And now, not only how it doesn't derail me, but how is it actually part of my journey up? What role does that play? You only get to see that when you're viewing things from that perspective of, well, I've got this vision, I've got this life that goes somewhere. What does this have to do with that? Oh, then you start to see it from a new angle. That's the beginning. But as long as it's just, just events happening, and I'm not in that mode, I'm not in that zone, get me on Yom Kippur, and then we could talk about it, right? So then we're missing, and maybe even getting derailed, and thrown down, and cast us, you know, off at sea, by all of these events that really don't have to. We have the ability to pull them in, and it comes from that ability to crystallize for ourselves, and keep in the forefront of our mind, this perspective of the way we look. And then he says, listen to what he says, you, you could transform all of a sudden your popcorn is, is, is becoming uh, something holy and all of a sudden your work is becoming something holy. He says, this is a result of the fact that God arranged and circumscribed the ways in which man should make use of the world and its creatures according to their intended purpose. You know how you know how to do it? You know the secret to interacting with the world? When you have this sense of how does the world fit onto my ladder, onto my mission, onto my journey, then you start, you realize Hashem gave unbelievable advice. He gave direct by of how to interact with the world what's allowed what's not allowed and then not just what's allowed and what's not allowed but what is the type of intention that will help a person grow while they're engaged in the world when man abides by the limits arrangements and intentions ordained by the creator then the mundane activities themselves become acts of perfection through them man can incorporate listen to these words I'm telling you, I would never, I couldn't write this myself. Through them, man can incorporate in himself perfection and excellence and thus raise himself high above his previous lowly state. And elsewhere he writes, he can, a person can tap into holiness from a physical activity when done right, the same as when doing a mitzvah. You hear that? You can eat a hamburger and you could you hear shofar being blown. And you could become greater from both those experiences based on you went, you took the hamburger, you said, one second, is it a pork burger? No. Okay. So we're already within the framework. We're following Hashem's outline for how to tap the world for all the holiness. Then we say, okay, why do I want to eat this burger? It's great. It's enjoyable. I'm going to make a blessing before. I'll make a blessing afterwards. You follow the rules and the intention and the spirit that's there and you keep developing that within you. You could end up eating a burger and elevating yourself like somebody listening to Shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Now, unbelievable what we're saying here. That burger could be your ladder? Yeah, the burger could be your ladder. The world is in fact only there to be your ladder. <clears throat> I want to say something very profound here my grandfather said about this ladder. <clears throat> and I think it's relevant to all of us. He said he finds something very interesting. When you see the description of the ladder, it says that the ladder was going towards earth. But it didn't actually hit earth. Moots of Artsa doesn't say Alha Oretz on the earth. Artsa. It was going that way. But my grandfather sort of described it as sort of missing the bottom rung. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like there's a gap between us and the ladder. My grandfather went on to say, uh, I think, a very insightful idea, which is he said, there's a ladder, and that ladder is, is, is life, its purpose, and getting up towards Hashem. He said, but the bottom rung of that ladder is never there because you can't use 
the bottom rung from the previous generation, or I would add maybe even from somebody else. Everyone's bottom rung for how to get onto that ladder, <clears throat> for how to embark on that mission, on that life, on that purpose, on that everything is a different bottom rung. And therefore, my grandfather said, it's up to the leaders of that generation to create and discover the bottom rung for their time. And I think that to some extent, there's an individual search for all of us looking for that bottom rung. Or sometimes, it's not always the bottom. Sometimes you're in your journey and you just can't find the next rung, right? Sometimes your life has developed a certain routine and you, you'd like to, to go on, but there's, you don't see where the next step is. So I think that truthfully, the latter has sometimes missing rungs, or maybe not missing, but unseen steps. I'm going to ask the following question. Well, if, it, if you can't see it, how on earth are you supposed to find it? Fair question. If you can't see it, how on earth are you supposed to find it? And I think perhaps the answer is a little bit tucked in this Nesiva Shalom. You can't see rung number one. But if you keep your eye on rung number two, you will find rung number one. Okay. If you keep your vision set on where you are trying to get to, what is your mission that you're trying to be part of? But that's my goal, but right now I feel like I'm missing the step to get me. But, but keep that, I see number two, I see number five, ten, I, I get where I'm going. Now I'm looking, but you're looking with direction. You're looking, what will get me on that ladder? Not what will get me, well, I don't know where. Because you know what? Then I don't know what you're going to find. You can really find anything. Next thing you know, who knows where you'll be, right? No, 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 that's like a little bit the hippie era, right? We're looking for something, but we don't know what. Okay, well, next thing you know, Woodstock, right? You know what I'm saying? You know? So the answer is because you don't have any framework. This framework of purpose and mission is actually the secret, but it's even the secret for when you lose your footing and you say, I don't know what the next step is, but do you know where you're going? Do you see heaven? Do you see Hashem? Do you see all those rungs that you haven't yet hit, but you want to? Okay, so then keep looking, and then you will discover, ah, I found something that that seems to be taking me towards rung two. Ah, that's probably rung number one you're on. (laughs) So there's a secret which is for the steps that we're looking for and sometimes we haven't found. But when your eye maintains its perspective on what's ahead and we don't start floundering and losing our footing and our vision for our life in general, keeping that broad vision so alive and present actually helps us get to those steps that are more difficult or we haven't found yet to get onto that track to keep growing. Um, I'll tell you a great story. I admit that it's it has maybe a, a little bit of a loose connection, but it's such a great story. I said I'm going to say it no matter what. <clears throat> it's a little bit of an example of recognizing that life, the events in the light in life, are, are, are perhaps part of the ladder, part of your mission, part of your purpose, and you don't always recognize it. And somebody told me he said they 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 were trying to get all their kids out to the car one day this is back in New York and there's alternate side parking so if you've ever been there you know that every New Yorker is mostly stressed and rude because of alternate side parking 
right? Because on any given day, it may be the wrong day and you need to jump out and run out there and get your car before they give you the ticket. And they're pretty vicious with tickets and sure enough, he's schlepping the kids, come on, come on, and he sees across the street the cop come to his car and he's right there. Uh, the cop puts a ticket on his car and says, good morning. <laughs> So he said he's walking to the car and he's livid. What type of person gives a ticket when you can see me, right? So this is this is the world, right? It's sweeping it's sweeping him away. Of course, it would, right? And as he gets to the ticket and he grabs it and he's so angry he thinks to himself, No, oh, my kids are with me. Kids are with me. What is this ticket? Forty five bucks? I want my kids to know that we can handle a ticket that we didn't want. I want our, my kids to know that those things are not worth getting upset. So what's he doing? What, what's happening right here? He's got this event, which seems so random. It's going to sweep him away into being furious, right? But he has a life. And he's got a vision to his life and a mission in his life. And a big part of that is raising his kids to be good human beings. And he says, no, 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 no. How's this ticket play out in my life? Not how do I end up with my life living in the ticket. How do I make this ticket? Where does this ticket in my actual life? I decide what my life's about. And my life has a lot more meaningful things than being angry about $45. What's my life really about? It's about much greater things. Serving Hashem. Part of that is raising your kids. Right? I'm a role model. I need to role model right now how we deal with a little bump and we're okay. And he took the breaths and he calms himself and he feels totally okay, okay, we're okay. And he gets in the car. And as children are wont to do and ask the perfect questions at the perfectly inconvenient time, his son goes, uh, Daddy, are you upset? <laughs> No, I'm not, right? But he said, you know, he had really calmed himself and he said, well, I was. He said, I was. But I'm not. Because a ticket is not worth getting upset over. Okay. He did his part, right? He brought the ticket into his life. He said, they begin to drive and as often happens, a little spat breaks out in the back and da, 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 you touched me, you looked at me, you were looking out my window, I own that window, right? Whatever, right? Da, 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 da. Whole fight. And this son of his, who just had that conversation, is involved in the fight, and all of a sudden he stops. And he says, you know what? It's not worth getting upset over. The son, the son said. Yeah. Stop, says, it's not worth getting upset over. He said, oh, at that moment, he said, I was soaring. He said, it was worth every dime of those $45. I would pay them to give me that ticket to have that experience again. What happened? It was such mundane life, wasn't it? But now he would pay to redo it. Because when that life, when you realize that that life is not mundane, it's part of your holy journey. That's what it's doing there. It is actually part of your ladder. And you figure out how to bring it to you. You don't follow it. You bring it into your life that you want to live. Then all of a sudden you start to recognize what role it can play. And he was fortunate enough that Hashem showed him how it played out so instantaneously so that he was able to celebrate it. But I think it's a lesson for all of us to recognize that the vision and the perspective is 
all the challenges and all the ups and downs and all the physicality and all that that looks holy and all that that does not. The question is, what is our life about? And then knowing that all of that can be brought into our framework. We define that framework. We decide if we get off the ladder or if we don't let go. And we decide how we're going to look at everything. And we decide what our glasses are like. And when we decide and determine that vision, then what we end up starting to realize is we don't get knocked off. We don't get derailed. We always reroute. We always get back up. And not only that, but we start to see all the physicality for its true purpose. Like the Mesut Hashem said, which is that it was all part of your ladder to begin with. It was all part of your journey. And then, like he said so beautifully, and may we merit to experience this, then it is the very experience of physicality that will elevate us when we will be able to transform darkness into light and deathly shadow into sparkling brilliance. And with this vision, and with this determination to hold that vision close and never let go, to never get off the ladder. Never get off the ladder. Then, God willing, we will merit and be able to earn for ourselves unparalleled excellence and glory within every single circumstance that we find ourselves in.